Hey, this is Donald Miller. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Before we get started, I want to tell you something that happened to me, and, it, and I think you're going to learn from it, about growing my business. When I first put up a website for StoryBrand, it was pretty elusive, pretty vague. People would go to the website, couldn't quite figure out how we could help them. And over the course of two years, we changed like the header on our website from saying, the StoryBrand Workshop to the StoryBrand Marketing Workshop. And then we changed the header to say, clarify your message so customers engage. And we put StoryBrand Marketing Workshop kind of up at the top left. Those sound like minor changes, but they're actually huge. We have doubled revenue every year, and including, we just got a report this year, simply by clarifying our message. It takes a while to sort of sharpen all those hooks, but we've learned how to do it. I'm turning around and teaching you all of those changes, how to make those changes, how to think about your website, how to clarify your message so that you can see results like that with a free video course called 5-Minute Marketing Makeover. If you think you should be converting more of your browsers into buyers, simply go to 5MinuteMarketingMakeover.com and I'll give you these three videos. You can either spell it out or use the number 5MinuteMarketingMakeover.com. Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. JJ, it's season three. Yay, season three. <laughs> we sort of tricked the system, because we do like seven episodes, and then we go, let's do another season of seven. <laughs> hey, we have had some fun email exchanges with people who have written in. Uh, one thing that we have discovered, and I confess I haven't actually heard it yet, because uh -uh. I haven't listened to the yep. podcast on double speed. But apparently, we're hearing that your laugh on <laughs> one and a half speed is kind of psychotic. Or something That's what I'm scary. hearing. Have you yeah. heard it? Yes, yes. We were at a convention in Orlando. You were yeah, you yeah. were speaking to some people in Orlando, and somebody came up to me and just said, "Hi, JJ." And I kind of turned around, and they said, "I just recognized you by your laugh from the podcast." <laughs> you were getting out of a car at like ballet yeah, parking, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, that's so pretty that, impressive. Like that happened, and yeah, and a couple people have said, "Have you ever?" heard your laugh at one and a half speed <laughs> that's why i think we should do something right now because there, there are probably thousands of people mm -hmm. listening to this at one and a half speed right now mm -hmm. so i thought we'd just intro the podcast one more time <laughs> welcome to the building a story brand You're, you gotta oh, laugh okay. <laughs> 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 oh, wait, now they're all wait now they yeah, just wait, speed so, it up yeah, again yeah. and now, yeah. we're, now we got them we're going too fast <laughs> Now we can talk like this. The hold up. Uh -huh. <laughs> there's also a little. Apparently, there's a pool going somewhere yeah. to figure out how tall you are. Yeah. Get, what is it? A guess is. It? I don't know. It's off of something we talked about. I think it was maybe with Scott Hamilton or something. And I mentioned how he's my height. So there was a pool. Some people wrote in online and actually asked our customer service person how tall I am because they had a pool going at their <laughs> office. And um, I would just like to say congratulations, Dan. I'm guessing correctly. Somebody won? Yeah, evidently Dan won. All right, we've got, we to, we've got to send Dan something <laughs> for guessing correctly. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> so we've, we've had fun. We've had fun. We've, we've also had a busy time. We were, yeah. You just mentioned we were at Digital Marketer. We love Ryan Dice and all the people over at Digital Marketer and had the honor of speaking at yeah. one of their conferences. There were thousands of people there. And, you know, it was really neat for me to give. I've got this 60-minute keynote where I go through the mm -hmm. seven-part story brand framework it's based on 2,000 years of story. But it was so fun for me to look out in the audience. And at one point, 
I've got this giant grid behind yeah. me on how the seven-part framework and every cell phone in yes. the room. <laughs> you tried to change slides and everybody started yelling because they hadn't got a picture yet. <laughs> to go back. So that was awesome. You know, we work with a lot of plumbers and, uh, and architects and financial advisors and pet store owners. But to have, you know, these thousands of digital marketers who are yep. creating online products and selling them also understand that this framework is very important for them to communicate clearly was really neat too. And then you stood in the back of the room. Mm -hmm. Conferences have changed since we've done them. Yeah. It's all about free giveaways. Yeah. Yeah. And I got a lot. <laughs> I will just tell you the amount of mints that I picked up from people's tables <laughs> will last me for a lifetime. And there were booths that were giving away beer and sausages yeah. <laughs> and weird, weird stuff. Yeah. That a no, I spent very little time at our booth. I was wandering, getting all the free stuff. Stress <laughs> balls. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything you've got to do to get word out about your business, we're all for. Of course, mm -hmm. we think the message should be clear. That's the easiest way to do it. Today's podcast is really great. We have Christy Wright from Business Boutique on the podcast, and she is unique. She speaks to thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of women, yep. exclusively women, every year who are starting businesses or running businesses. That's a pretty cool event. And I think the only two speakers coming up at their business boutique event who are male are me and Dave Ramsey. So I don't know. <laughs> I know, Dave. I don't know which one of us is more nervous about oh, this. Oh, <laughs> no. You're going to love it. I used to do comedy a number of years ago, and the best audiences were a room full of women. There was so much energy, so much excitement. I loved doing those rooms because everybody was just all in. I remember going for the first time that I did an audience of all women. It was a Mothers of Preschoolers event. There uh -huh. were 5,000 Mothers of Preschoolers. And I went in thinking, you know, you need to be a little serene, a little sophisticated, <laughs> a little... And I'm telling you, I could have told any joke and it would have, so I'm not, I'm not actually all that nervous. I yeah, no, <laughs> you're going to be, you're going to love it. And the best thing is these are all people who are like pretty early on and for a lot of them in their business, yeah. right? Like yeah. they're just getting started. So they're working on their message. They're going to have to figure out how do I communicate what I do to people as they're building their, really their empires out of their homes. That's right. You know, and my wife is actually starting two businesses. You know, mm -hmm. they're both businesses with friends and uh, one's a sort of a fashion thing and one is sort of a social justice kind of soap thing and they're just figuring it all out. And she also runs her own design firm and helps mostly women who are starting their businesses create their websites and she really is doing a lot. So it was interesting to talk to Christy about things are changing so quickly yeah. in culture. I think yeah. we're about 20 years away from some of the top business people in the world being women. It's, it's wonderful what's happening. Yeah. And Christy's really helping people navigate that. So I asked Christy all sorts of questions like why women should not be apologetic about their products. Yep. And, you know, instead of like, will you please buy this or really could use your support? No, will you please buy this because it's going to change your life and quite honestly, I should be charging you triple. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you change yeah. that attitude? And the way that you guys talk through that, I had a chance to listen to it is it's not just applicable to the, the women she talks to directly, but really any business. Yeah. They can learn from what she talks about, about how to basically double your price because you're worth it. You just teased something that I think is important. Listen for this question because Christy and I talk about how you can double your price yep. if you fit this criteria, yeah. how you can do it without offending anybody. And I'm not sure you were in on the meeting. You might have been, but it was me, Nigel, Tim, a bunch of the story brand staff, and we were meeting with somebody who's developing some software for us. Mm -hmm. And they actually tested a product online. They A-B tested it, two different sales websites. On one sales website, if I'm not mistaken, they were selling it for $1,200. Uh -huh. And on another website for $12,000, because they were just doing a test to figure out where their price point should be. Yeah. They sold more $12,000 no. units than $1,200 <laughs> units. 
<laughs> There's a whole episode that we should do on pricing. Yes. We do touch it in this interview, oh, awesome. and it's fascinating. So let's get right to it. This is Christy Wright with Business Boutique talking about women and business, some pitfalls, some tips, some helps. And of course, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, there's something in here for everybody. Here's my interview with Christy Wright. Christy, thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. You are in a unique position. <laughs> you are constantly in front of thousands of women helping them start businesses yes. and run their business and all that other kind of stuff. Yes, it's fun. Well, you've got 3,000 women in this room and you do a lot more than just these conferences. You have a bunch of tools that help women start businesses. Right. What are some of the problems, frustrations, tensions, challenges that these women have in common? Yeah, it's interesting because many of them start out in business kind of accidentally. And I'm speaking specifically to the business boutique market, but I did research for a few years before we actually launched our first event uh, a year ago. And it's interesting because most of the women that I'm working with, they don't start out with this grand idea and a business plan and they mm. have an MBA and they're going to conquer the world and be on the front of Forbes magazine. Right. That's not this woman. There are women doing that. And I think that's awesome. But most of the case, it kind of happens accidentally. They kind of slide into business versus deciding to have a business. And so what happens is... Like they made something that everybody yeah, started liking and then they started... Yeah, they post you know a pair of boot socks on Facebook and then it's lots of likes and comments and can you make it for me? And so they try to keep up with the demand and then they have this aha moment and they think, wait a minute, I could make money at this. And so then they kind of go into what I call the experimenting phase, which is just putting stuff out there. Yeah. They make a Facebook page and business cards. They make up some pricing and they, they decide, hey, I'm going to do this thing. But what happens is very quickly, they hit a wall. And I call this the wall of overwhelm, where overwhelm replaces their initial excitement. And they get overwhelmed with questions like, well, what about taxes and business licenses? And I'm not business minded. And how do I sell without being pushy? And uh, what if my prices aren't right? And how do I pay myself? And immediately they want to give up. And they right. think that they're disqualified for being in business because they don't have a business background. And that's simply not true. So that's what's one of the really fun things about the business boutique event, but also our podcast that we're doing or you know, I've got a book coming out in April. All of these efforts are to teach these women, you can do this. Yeah. You have the ability to run a business and serve the marketplace and do this thing you love and make money at it. Are most of the women that you're talking about women who have kids at home, they're probably home all day, and now they've added this other component. And that is an 80-hour-a-week job right there. And then they've added this other component. Is that who we're talking about? Mostly? Well, we have both. It's interesting because we've seen the market evolve since we've been doing these events for a while. Yeah. So one of the things I've noticed is we have a range of business stage. Everything from we have about 40% of our attendees at our events don't even have an idea. Like they're showing up and they know they want to do something but they don't know what. And so it's incredible that they're investing and in coming to an event to give them the tools that they need to run a business and they don't even have a business yet. And then we have the middle group. Those are the dreamers. We have the middle group, which are the starters. And they're in the process of getting this thing off the ground, but they need help. They're kind yeah. of at that experimenting stage and they need a plan and they need answers and they want to do it and they know what their idea is, but they don't know how to get it off the ground. Yeah. And then you have the builders. You have women running successful businesses that are their full-time income. They may have team members and they're ready to grow the thing to the next level, whether that's a brick and mortar store or scale in some way and hire people. So it's really interesting that you're seeing a range, not only of business stage, but you're seeing a range of life stage. And Donald, it's the coolest thing to see that we have college students there that have a little side business, all the way to women in their 60s and 70s that have an encore career. And the common theme is that they all want to do something they love. And so they may have kids or not, they may work full time or part time, or they may not. 
But it's interesting because there's this real movement. And you're seeing this in our culture anyway, of the Etsy generation, the Pinterest generation, the, uh, you know, buy local, all of that going on. And there's a real desire for women to make money on their own terms. And they don't want to climb the corporate ladder and work nine to five and, you know, run the rat race. They want to do something they're passionate about. And so we're going to help them have the tools they need to do it. I'm going to ask what feels like a strange question. Should every woman start a business? And what I mean by that is like, I remember my wife wanted to start a business. And I feel like you have a responsibility mm-hmm. to do this because it's such a great idea. And I don't know if that's just because I'm an entrepreneur or yep. because I love business so yep. much. I wanted her to enjoy the joy that I get out yes. of just waking up every day and trying to do something. Should every woman start a business? Because I kind of think everybody should start a business. Here, here's what I'll say to that. And I'm very entrepreneurial as well. I was raised by two entrepreneurs. So I love business. <laughs> yeah. I have 100 business ideas a day, yeah, which yeah, yeah. are all brilliant, by the way. <laughs> I'm just going to wait for some time to start this. Here's what I'll say. I believe that every woman should spend time doing what she loves. And if that's in the form of business, I think that's great. If she's doing what she loves in a company like I am, I work for a company. I don't have my own business, right. but I'm doing what I love every day. Yeah. I'm engaging my strengths. I'm engaging my heart where Monday doesn't feel like work. And so I think that every woman, whether that's full time, in her full-time job with maybe a hobby on the side or a hobby that turns into a side business or running a business like you're saying, I think we need to spend our lives, and that's true for women and men for that matter, mm-hmm. we need to spend our lives doing what we love. I think that's the most important thing. You talk about a lot of women that you interact with are afraid. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to get going. They're afraid to start. What are the fears that a lot of women have that they just shouldn't be afraid of? Well, it's interesting because I was just talking about this with a friend of mine recently, but as a generalization, and this is a major generalization here, I might make some of your listeners mad when I say this, <laughs> but as a generalization, men tend to be a little more confident than their skills, and women tend to be less confident than their skills. So if the skill set's the same, a man looks at a problem and goes, oh, I could totally nail it. Let's when he's do totally going to screw it up. Maybe, right? <laughs> and a woman looks at something she's perfectly capable of and goes, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure if I can do that. And so it's just funny to see how this plays out because a lot of times our beliefs and our doubt, you know, this kind of battlefield of the mind, uh, women allow those thoughts to hold them back and they accept them as true. So they hear things like, you're not good enough. Someone else is already doing it and they're doing it better. So there's no point for you. There's no need for you in the marketplace. Who are you to do this? Um, You don't have a background in business. You don't have any business skills. You can't do this. You know, it's very interesting. One of the common themes I see in my research is that many women suffer from the imposter syndrome, which is just this belief that you don't deserve your achievements. And it's interesting because we have this idea that really super successful people whatever your version of success is, they don't suffer from that. And that's just simply not true. There's even uh, quotes attributed to Maya Angelou saying before every book, she'd sit down and think, I'm going to be found out. I'm an imposter. Mm -hmm. They're never going to buy this book. Kate Winslet, you know, award-winning actress says before she walks on a set, I don't deserve to be here. They're going to know that I'm a fraud. And so there's no level of success where you outgrow fear. And so what I tell my, you know, all of the women that I work with, is don't wait until you're not scared to do the thing you want to do. Yeah. You do it scared. Because it's probably not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You do it scared. Every time I walk on a stage, I might be scared. I might be nervous. I just walk out there anyway. And so when we let fear hold us back, then we're completely limiting our potential in business and in life because we're waiting for the fear to go away, and it never does. Instead, you just keep doing it anyway. And then with each rep and each win and each success and each product sold or client served, you get a little bit more confident. And then the next time when that fear creeps up, you're like, no, I think I can do this. And you start to build that confidence. You know, it's interesting. You and I talked earlier, and it really hit me that we're in a unique time in the history of our culture that I think 50 years from now, we'll even look back on a conversation like this and people will scratch their heads. Mm -hmm. Because what do you mean there's a difference? Women are afraid and men aren't. But this is a shift that's really happening. And I think 
the internet and digital tools and the ability to market ourselves and start our own companies without a bunch of capital are affecting everybody's ability to just go start a business. It's no longer a man has to go into a coal mine and has to know how to use these right. tools in order to do it. So part of it is not even a, a shift in equality, it's a shift in equipment. Right. And so I'm curious about, if I'm running a corporation, how do I make this a gender-neutral corporation fair and equal and build a company that is outside of sort of this traditional perspective that I hope we're growing out of? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question because one of the things that I think we've seen in uh, in terms of, you know, gender, whether that's in a big business or even as business leaders, is there's this idea, at least many women have, that not only does it hold them back, but that there's somehow how they're wired as a woman, because women and men are wired differently. Like no one can argue that. We're wired differently. We communicate differently. We often have different tendencies and behavior. Our emotions work differently. Uh, we think about problems differently. And so we think of that as a weakness in business that somehow holds us back. Oh, we're too emotional. No. We're too relational. <laughs> but it's actually an advantage. And so when yeah. we start to see the unique advantages that women have to offer and highlight those and give those opportunities to shine, it's incredible to see uh, at least the women I work with in business as their mindset shifts they start to realize that it's not a weakness at all. It's a strength to be leveraged in the marketplace. And yep. it's incredible because one yep. example, just one example, women are amazing at customer service because they empathize with people. They're very relational and they connect and they build trust and they build loyalty. They have incredibly loyal customers because they're responding on social media. They're right. sending handwritten thank you notes. And so they have this tribe that would go to war for them uh, because they've built this incredible relationship. They were not a transaction in a sale. And yeah. so it's just so interesting when you start to dig into how we're wired and unapologetically step into those strengths. And I think it's great when you see men and women both champion each other in their strengths, not asking a woman to act like a man in a workplace right. and not asking a man to act like a woman. But instead, what are your strengths, not only in your gender, but also just in your unique wiring, how God created you and your personality assessment or however you want to say it, and then leveraging those and allowing people to shine in their strengths. It's amazing how their potential will be unleashed when they're given permission and the opportunity to do so. Yeah. Leveraging those skill sets is actually is quite amazing. Okay, you guide women from the I'm afraid to start a business and I don't even know what I want to do all the way through tax strategy once your business succeeds. I mean, it's all the way through that. I would imagine that for all of us, men and women, as that business grows, it gets much more difficult to balance work and life. Right. And especially if somebody has kids. Right. What is your advice to somebody saying, I've got an opportunity here, the business is really growing, but it's going to cost my kids if I commit to this. You know, How do you balance that? And what is your advice to women who are trying to balance that success? Well, I love talking about this issue of time management. I think I talk about it so much and write about it and speak on it because I struggle with it daily. I yeah. mean, it's a reality in my life. I have two young kids. And so I'm just struggling with figuring it out every day like everyone else is. But I will tell you, there are some realities of how finite your time is that we have to face those if we're going to be successful. Time is the most finite resource we have. You can get more money, more relationships, buy more stuff. You can get more of anything you want in life except time. We all have the exact same 24 hours in a day, hmm. in a day, and you can't get a minute more no matter how much money or power you get. And so therefore, how we use our time becomes a major factor in our ability to be successful. And successful people, you and I talked about this earlier, but successful people say no. They know what their priorities are. They're willing to disappoint people, but disappoint the right people in order to say yes to their most important things. And so I'll say for me as a mom, you know, it really comes down to prioritizing and doing only things, not only that are important to me, but doing things that only I can do. Andy Stanley, who's, you know, an incredible yeah. author and speaker, he has a great quote. He says, 
In leadership, the more successful you become, the less accessible you become. Mm -hmm. So that means if you're going to add something to your plate, whether that's a business or a baby or something else, that's going to take up time. So what are you willing to give up to add that to your plate? And I think as women, as another generalization, we're very proud multitaskers. We can just wear many hats and do a lot of things at once. So we think we can make the most of our time by just doing more things at one time. And instead, I challenge people, and you teach this as well, but I challenge people to have focus because you gain momentum when you have focus on what you're working on. And so instead of trying to just crowbar one more thing in, be willing to give something up. If you're going to add 20 hours to your business, where are you going to carve out those 20 hours in order to add that? And you just have to have a real honest look about how finite your time is and be willing to say no to less important things so that you can say yes to the most important things. And I remind people, you know, you know, here in the South, we want to be nice and kind (laughs) and liked. We don't want to disappoint people. But the truth is you don't just have the right to say no, you have the responsibility to say no, because if you don't protect what matters to you, no one else can do that for you. And so when you live your life busy or rushed or running ragged, or you're resentful of all the ways you're spending your time saying yes to all these people when you, what you really want to say is no, that's no one's fault, but yours. It's up to us to really take control of our time. It's a great quote by Stephen Covey, where he says, don't prioritize your schedule, schedule your priorities. So I just Mm. encourage people to be proactive with their life and their time and they just what their time goes to versus reacting to everyone else's demands of them. Another practical piece of business advice, managing our time is super important. And then you and I talked earlier about how one struggle that a lot of women have, in fact, I had it and a lot of men have it in business, is they sort of apologize for their product (laughs) or how much they're charging for it or anything like that. Why shouldn't women have an apologetic attitude about doing business? Well, it's so interesting because I think when you're putting a business out there, It feels like your baby, right? Like it's your heart, it's your soul, it's your idea. It feels vulnerable. It feels risky. Um, You're putting yourself out there for rejection for people to say, no, I don't Mm, like your idea, your product, your service, your business, your idea. And um, so we fear rejection. So we immediately kind of disqualify it, apologize for it. We're scared of it. But the truth is when you're stepping into your God-given gifts, when you're serving the marketplace, when you're meeting needs and you're solving problems, you don't have anything to apologize for. You're helping people. But unfortunately, because we teach people how to treat us, when we have this apologetic posture or tone, we're teaching them we have something to be sorry for. So of course, the customer or the person's going to think, oh, shoot, well, I don't want to buy from them. They have right. something they're ashamed of. <laughs> I'm going to go to someone else, right? Or It's a position where you're really asking for charity. Like, yeah. will you buy my product or believe in me, please? Yeah, it's that's so not pitiful. What, that's not what customers are looking for. They're looking for somebody with authority to help them solve a problem. You know? Yes. It's fascinating. I've always said one of the best pieces of business advice I I usually give, and it doesn't work for everybody because it's not always right, but I usually say double your price. Yeah. (laughs) Just double your price because you're asking too little for this great product and you're underselling it and you're making people think it's not worth very much. Well, we just excuse it too. One of the things that I talk about is I say, just say your price and shut up. Like a lot of times (laughs) we'll talk ourselves out of sales, right? Like it's like we say our price and then we feel like we've got to dance around it and and explain it and walk on eggshells and justify it. And, you know, and it's like by the end of it, we just, we seem like we have something that we're trying to cover up. Instead, just say, you know what? That ticket price is $79 and we'd love to see you there. Yep. And, and just be quiet. Stop talking. <laughs> it's a wonderful evolution when when you sort of shut up, but you really want to say something and you don't, and then people start paying, and then people start really loving the product, and then somebody else comes, well, that's a little expensive. And your attitude, you notice over time, has shifted. You're saying, 
that's dirt cheap based on what you're getting, baby. You, you <laughs> yes, you're so, yeah, you're so confident about it. You're so confident. It takes practice. It does. It takes practice to learn that, and uh, it's not an intuitive characteristic. All right, I want to ask one final question. This is for men and women, because I know we have a lot of people listening to the StoryBrand podcast who want to start a business. They have an idea. Give me, and I know there are 27 steps to this, Christy, <laughs> forgive me, give me the first three things they should do. Well, I think the most important thing is you need a plan. Now, you don't have to have a Harvard Business School business plan, but you need to know where you're going. What do you expect this business to do for you? What are your goals, whether that's time goals, revenue goals, client goals? Like You just need to have a plan where you start this business with the end in mind. Here's my goal for this business. And I'll tell you, with the women that I work with, it's interesting to see how they'll revisit this over time because as the business becomes more successful, their goals get bigger, right? Like they may start out in the first year. It's like, oh, I would just love to pay for soccer camp. And it's a very small goal because that's as big as they can dream of right then. But three years down the line and a ton of success later, they're like, oh no, I'm going to hire 15 team members. I'm taking this thing. You know, we're going to earn seven figures this year. As the business progresses, your goals can change, but you want to start knowing where you're going. What do you expect it to do for you? The second thing I would say is you've got, this is not going to be a surprise to your listeners since I'm a Ramsey personality. You got to manage the money. That's going to be the number one reason that small businesses fail is they just can't pay their bills. So you've got to manage the money. You have to earn a profit. If you're not earning a profit, you're not running a business. You have a hobby. That's the extent of it. So you've got to make a profit and manage your money well so that you can stay in business and help more people, which is really, really key. And then at the end of the day, you know, this is something that we talk about a lot, but I would just encourage people. This is a softer, less tactical, but just remember why you do it. And I love Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, where when we remember why you do it, why did you start this in the first place? What's your motivator? Not only does it change your language, that you use in your marketing because he says people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it they get bought into a belief system and when you know that it changes not only your marketing but it really changes how you view your business because sometimes the reality is it can be hard and you're yeah. going to have challenges and you're going to have days where you feel like I can't do this yeah. but if you remember and reset and keep front and center why you do it why this matters then it helps you get through those hard days to get to the days that are really great yeah I love it. Running a business is the most fun thing in the world. It is. It really is. If, as long as you're not afraid to fail. Yes. It's the most fun thing in the world. And if anybody's out there going, okay, well, I'm going to get a plan and it's going to be perfect and then I'll start. You will never, never. start. Start right yeah, now. I, yeah. Just repeat this phrase to yourself. We will figure it out as we go. Yep. But go is the key word. Hey, that's what I'm doing every day. We're figuring this business boutique thing out as we go. And you're figuring out well because you're helping thousands of women do amazing things. Well, I just love you. it. So grateful for you, Christy. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. All right, now we're to the segment of our podcast that we call How They Do It. We Mm -hmm. actually call a story brand alumni, either from our private workshops, our live workshops, or our online workshop, who has seen dramatic success. And we figure out what they did, how they implemented the strategy that we gave them. And this week, you called Brian Williams, not the news anchor. No, No. That would have been fun. No, Brian Williams and his wife have a company called Perspectivity. And they work with different companies and help them with their sales and sales pitches. But the coolest thing in just talking with him is that he actually uses a brain-based profiling tool that does behavioral tracking to help businesses communicate more effectively with their team. Well, it's like, cool. I know. We need that. I know. And it's kind of, it helps with team building and stuff. And so he's at perspectivityintl.com and had a great conversation with him. It was really And cool. after he went through the online course, he made some changes yeah. and, and he saw a bunch of things happen. One yeah. was the type of customer who engaged yep. him 
changed. Explain that. Yeah, it, basically he stopped wasting time because he was able to communicate what he does. So he was getting the right inquiries. He was getting the right people calling him. Right. And the people who he couldn't help were not calling him anymore. So he wasn't wasting his time. Oh, man. Couldn't we all use that? Yes. Right? I mean, how, much, how much time is your customer service person spending saying, we don't oh, I'm do sorry, that? I'm sorry, we actually <laughs> can't help you. Yeah. So part of it, it's funny because part of clarifying your message, you weed out the people who you yep. really can't help. Mm-hmm. He also used the phrase that his website was a goat in a <laughs> yeah. paper mill. I <laughs> yes, I'm stealing this. I That's, talk about if it. If I ever run it. for president, I'm going to bring yeah. that up in a debate. Just a goat in a, a paper, paper mill. <laughs> eating the paper and producing no milk. And, uh, That's he, what he said? Yeah, eating yeah. The paper yes. Mill for his website? <laughs> yes. Love it. So I'm totally stealing that. He has like actually a couple phrases that I talk about stealing. So yeah, I, yeah. He, he was hilarious. I had a great time talking to him. When he changed his website, he actually was getting zero revenue from his website. Yeah. Zero. He saw it as an electronic business card up on the web. And once he actually changed the messaging on his website, his revenue just from his website went up thousands of percentages. He, he talks amazing. about that. Yeah, this is a fun conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it all speaks to the importance of getting our message crystal clear. If yep. we spend thousands of dollars on advertising and we haven't clarified our message, you're just holding a bullhorn up to a monkey. Or <laughs> a goat in a paper mill. Or a goat in a paper mill. <laughs> Here is your conversation with Brian Williams. Hi, this is Brian. Hey, Brian. It's JJ from StoryBrand. How are you? Hey, doing very well. Great to hear from you. So, Brian, you went through the online version of StoryBrand, correct? Yes, we did. Uh-huh. And the name of your company is Perspectivity Consulting. And so when you came to StoryBrand and you were looking for some help with your message, what were some of the things that you were kind of struggling with ahead of time? Oh, man. We just really struggled to clearly articulate what it is that we do so that it would resonate with the listeners. So yep. it was just foggy. We, we had a lot, there were a lot of moving parts. It was kind of like one of those optical illusions that you're looking at. <laughs> you're going, is that an old lady or a young lady? Uh-huh. I'm not really sure. Yes. I always and see the rabbit. Like we were trying. <laughs> exactly. And that's what was happening. Like, where did this guy get a rabbit from? We're not, we don't even do anything like that. <laughs> so, but I have to say it was so frustrating because yeah. we generate, you know, tangible, meaningful, measurable results for people we work with. And we want to do more of that. But we were just challenged because our messaging just was not clear to people. Yeah. So then you go through the online version of StoryBrand. And what were some things that jumped out to you? What were some of the paradigm shifts for you? As we're listening, we're saying how he connected what the framework is to movies. It clicked so quickly, right? He walked through Star Wars and a few... And the power of story is very compelling. We we had the contents, but we were not communicating it in such a way that it was easy to understand and easy to engage with. So when he began yeah. breaking it down and he walked through that framework, it made so much sense so quickly. Right. That was the initial reaction. In fact, I was so impacted by it. I'm like all in. I totally get it. <laughs> I started telling my clients. I've created customers for you guys. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Well, so you go through it. You have this kind of paradigm shift of clarifying your message. And how did it impact your business? Like, what did you do in your messaging? What changed? Well, you know, number one, it changed our thinking, Mm, right? mm -hmm. That's huge. Because when your thinking changes, everything changes. And as a result, we changed our website. We created a video, put that on the website. We created 
something we do call an info prezi where we use a cool infographic and we mix that in with prezi and we put those together and so we created a story brand script using an info prezi as well so it's kind of changed the dna of how we run the business right we see prospects and clients through the story brand script if you will okay. we in fact little internal saying that i have is the story brand framework makes the brain work yeah as it relates to <laughs> how prospects and clients i may steal that i may steal that from you you don't mind right <laughs> you can have it brother <laughs> yes oh yes i love it oh that's so great i love that it's impacted just kind of every area and really just shifted how you think what kind of results have you seen because of this Oh, you know, number one, I would just say engagement. Yeah. It engages those who need help from us and it repels those who don't. Oh. Because, and that's what happens with clear messaging, yep. right? When the messaging is so clear and focused on the audience, those that resonate, that it resonates with, they engage. And those that it doesn't, they say, you know what? I get exactly what they do and we don't need that. Yeah, yeah. What? We prefer that. Yeah. So you're not wasting we're, your we're time. We're happy to see that. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's hard to kind of give percentages and numbers, right? Because the truth of the matter, JJ, is we were making nothing online before StoryBrand. In fact, we were were kind of like a goat in a paper mill. The website's (laughs) eating our money every month, right? But it's not producing any milk, right? There's nothing coming out of that. (laughs) Again, I'm stealing that as well, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) The strange dynamic is that we were okay with that. Yeah. We were okay with just having this website hang out there. It looks kind of cool, right? And that was another paradigm shift was you guys made it clear that, listen, this website should be generating revenue, yep. right? It yep. should be another stream of income for your business. And we never, we looked at it like a high-tech business card, if you will. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There, I think a lot of people, people look at their it. websites like that. Yeah, I agree. And we were definitely one of them. So after going through these changes on your website, have you seen increase in revenue from that? Yes. Now, our percentage increase is like in the thousands of percentages, right? <laughs> we were doing nothing before. Yeah. <laughs> so, we can just end it right there. But, but yeah. Increased thousands of percent. <laughs> that goat I mean, is given because... a lot of milk. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love what you do. Again, this is Perspectivity Consulting, and you can find them at perspectivityintl.com. Brian, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today and giving me some amazing examples. Um, I am totally stealing that goat in a paper mill factory (laughs) analogy (laughs) when I'm teaching this at private workshops. Um, I'm going to be telling people, hey, your website is just an old goat in a paper mill factory just eating it up and no milk. I love it. I love it. So, well, thank you so much for being with us today and um, continued success for you and your wife in your business. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, JJ. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. JJ, great conversation. I love that we get to collect stories of success from alumni. The big takeaway for me in that exchange is, you know, our websites aren't a business card. They should operate like a salesperson. Yeah. And they should be our best salesperson. Their message should be absolutely crystal clear as to what we offer, why it matters to the lives of our customers, how they're going to get value from it, and what they need to do to buy it from us. Yep. And I, anybody will see dramatic change if they do that. I walk everybody through how to do this in a three-video series called 5-Minute Marketing Makeover. I know you're getting tired of hearing it, but you haven't gone yet. 5-Minute Marketing Makeover. I'll walk you through three short videos on how you can make the kind of changes Brian made and see the kind of results that he made. Just go to 5minutemarketingmakeover.com.
JJ, since it's season three, a lot of people are just tuning into the podcast. A lot mm-hmm. of people have gotten great content from our podcast, but they wonder what in the world we do and what <laughs> yeah. we offer. StoryBrand <laughs> is a company that helps you clarify your message. We have a seven-part framework that helps you get crystal clear so you can create great websites, great keynotes, great elevator pitches that so you know what to say at a cocktail party. Mm-hmm. You can create lead generators that help you get leads and close leads in order to grow your business. It's all about creating a crystal clear message. And we teach that that framework a few different ways. One is you can go through our online course. Just go to storybrand.com slash online. You can also join about 50 business leaders every month and clarify your message in a two-day workshop so you leave with that clear message. Here in Nashville. Here in Nashville that you can actually use. Yes, and you, you and can I are hear both in the my room. laugh live at normal <laughs> speed. <laughs> That's right. Or we, or you can press a button and we speed up the live. Yeah. Uh, we do that in here in Nashville. You can learn about that at juststorybrand.com and you can register for the next workshop. We also do private workshops. If you yep. want to get along with just your team, JJ can come and yep. take you through that process or one of our other facilitators can do that. It's a bonding experience. It's a unifying experience. If you're about to rebrand or create a website or launch a product, or you just feel like we have grown so fast in so many different directions, we've lost our Yeah, identity. everybody's saying different stories. Yeah. We want to get in one story, one message for our whole company. That's what we do in two days. And you can hire uh, JJ or talk to a facilitator at storybrand.com slash private workshop. The point of all of these, of course, is to help you clarify your message, which we believe is so important. And one of the reasons we're so confident of that is we've seen so many success stories. Hundreds and hundreds of businesses have increased their revenue after they just got one thing straight, their message. JJ. Yes. Great start to season three. Oh, so fun. As <laughs> always. I love this. Yeah. And we've got a great season. We've already recorded most of the interviews. So stay tuned for the rest of season three. I think you're going to love it. Music from this episode has been from the album Black Bear by Andrew Bell, which you can listen to on Spotify or download on iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.